The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Good morning, friends. My name is Emily Etchison, and I work here at Christ Pres. And it's my privilege to get to read Scripture to you today. Today's reading comes from Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, Lord, to those who are good, to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The body they may kill, but God's truth abideth still. Ain't that good news this morning, CPC? Amen. Come on, y'all can talk back to me. Y'all can talk back to me. Are y'all ready for the gospel? Amen. Amen. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all those who will believe. And what a blessing it is every time we have an opportunity to sit beneath the preaching of God's word. For it's in the gospel that Jesus Christ comes to us by his word and through his spirit and presents to us his righteousness and reassures our, uh, our, our wandering minds and strengthens our feeble knees and helps us to know that his word abideth still. I want to begin uh, just by um, thanking you all for such a warm and encouraging and inviting welcome back home to Nashville, Tennessee, and welcome back in t- and welcome into the CPC family. I am so blessed and honored and humbled to be part of the family here at CPC. I want to give some. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Sister Jen Seeger. Uh, who has been so such a blessing and has put together an amazing team. And we have felt seen and cared for uh, for this uh, 48 hours since we've been back to Nashville. Praise the Lord. We've had plenty of uh, casserole and, and, and barbecue and, and all that good stuff. And it's good to be back home. It's good to be back home. Uh, I want to just invite us to prayer, and, and, and then we will turn to God's word. Father, we are grateful. We're grateful, we are grateful for the gospel on this morning. We're grateful, Lord, for the abiding word of Christ. Oh, Lord, that reassures us in good times and in bad of Christ's victory on our behalf. We are grateful, Lord, that our standing does not depend upon our strength, but upon the strength of Jesus Christ. We pray, O oh God, on this morning, O oh Lord, that Oh, God, you um, would, re- would be the real preacher, Lord, that as our prophet, priest, and king, Lord Jesus, you would declare your word unto us, that you would rescue us from everything that, assa- that seeks to assail us, that you, O oh Lord, uh, would continue to intercede on our behalf. We pray it in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. 
This morning, I'd like for us to consider together from Psalm 125, the question, where do we belong? And the answer, safe in his arms, safe in his arms. As the Lord's people left their homes and their fields and their worldly possessions behind and they made the annual trek to worship the Lord in Jerusalem, they would have been deeply aware of their own vulnerabilities. You see, according to verse 3, the scepter of wickedness was over the land. That meant that corruption and injustice were pervasive and in high places during this time. And as they journeyed, the Lord's people were well aware, deeply aware, that they could be subject to exploitation, subject to oppression, subject to natural disasters, subject to dangers both seen and unseen. And so they needed some reassurances that the Lord would keep them in every circumstance. 2010, the Allstate Insurance Company debuted a commercial ad campaign featuring a popular character simply known as Mayhem. Mayhem first appeared in a windstorm which got hold of a tree and shook it and shook it and shook it until the branch fell on the car. Mayhem then appeared as an emotionally compromised teenage girl holding a bedazzled cell phone who rams her pink SUV into your parked car. Mayhem was a raccoon who found his way into your attic and made a nest out of the insulation there. And these commercials are so relatable. It's, they've made Allstate many, many dollars, and they're so relatable because we all know that life in a fallen world can be full of mayhem. In the midst of a global pandemic, we've found that mayhem can be microscopic. As our country reckons with racial injustice, both in its history and today, we have found that mayhem can be systemic. Mayhem can come in the form of family drama, financial struggles, health issues, natural disasters, corruption in high places. And if mayhem hadn't crept its way into your life just yet, we'll say it like the old folks used to say, just keep living, baby. Just keep living. But I'm so glad that at the end of every Mayhem commercial, actor, actor Dennis Haysbird uh, strolls out onto the scene and calmly asks the poignant question, are you in good hands? Are you in good hands? And, and that's the question of today, beloved. That's the question of Psalm 125. The question is in the midst of all of life's drama, in the midst of a situation in which the scepter of wickedness is upon the land, are you in good hands? Psalm 125 comes to reassure anxious minds and weary souls that as believers in Christ, we are in good hands. As they gazed at Mount Zion in the distance, God's people would have been reminded that we are in the eternal hands that hold us as securely as Mount Zion itself, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. You see, we are in the omnipotent hand that surrounds us with protection, the way the Judean mountains surrounded Jerusalem from this time forth and forevermore. 
And if you're entrusting, if you are trusting in Christ today, I want you to know that you could not be in better hands. You are in the best hands they can ever be. You are in the you are in hands that loved you so faithfully that they willingly received a nail spike, an iron spike through them in order to secure your salvation. Hands that received all power and authority in heaven and on earth precisely so that they could wield that power and authority on your behalf. And so today, I'd like to us to consider three aspects of being safe in the arms of Christ, of being safe in the hand of God. I want us to consider first the stability of our salvation, secondly, the surrounding of our salvation, and third, the boldness of our salvation. The stability of our salvation, the surrounding of our salvation, and finally, the boldness of our salvation. First, the stability of our salvation. Consider with me verse one, verse one. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which cannot be moved but abides forever. From the perspective of the original audience who heard this psalm, Mount Zion represented the most fixed, enduring physical structure in the promised land. An Old Testament image of of eternal steadfastness, security, unmovability. It had witnessed various ups and downs across the generations of God's people. It had seen corrupt governments come and go, bad economies come and go, pandemics come and go, seasons of oppression and social unrest come and go, and yet it remained unmovable through it all. As God's people gazed at that 2,500-foot rock towering in the distance, they must have been greatly reassured that the promises of God would hold them fixed and secure and unmovable amidst anything that this world could dish out. Baptist preacher and evangelist F.B. Meyer wrote about two tourists who wanted to climb the famous Matterhorn mountain in Switzerland. They hired three guides and began their ascent at the steepest and most slippery part of the mountain. The men roped themselves together in this order, guide, traveler, guide, traveler, guide. And they only had gone up a little ways when suddenly the the, the, the last man uh, in the caravan, the last man in this chain lost his footing. But he was held up temporarily by the other four. They'd gone on just a little bit more when, when, when suddenly the next man lost his footing and, 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 and two of them went tumbling and, and then finally the third man lost his footing and, and they all would have fallen to their deaths if it had not been for that first man, that leading guide who had drived his ice pick and his stake deep into the ground. And because he had driven his stake into the ground, because he held his ground, all the other men beneath him regained their footing. And that holds out good news for us today, CPC. Because in the midst of of, of, of this life, when mayhem creeps into our lives, it's wonderful to know that we are joined to a Savior that will never lose his footing. 
in the life and death and resurrection and ascension and the reign of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God has driven an eternal stake in the ground. And by the strength of, of, of that stake, by the strength of that power, he holds us up. As long as he is ascended to the right hand of the Father, as long as Jesus is ascended to the right hand of the Father, you and I will abide forever. As long as he ever lives to intercede for us, you and I will abide forever. You see, because our hope is not in our ability to hold our own ground in the midst of mayhem, but in Christ's ability to hold our ground in the midst of a mayhem. And ain't that good news? That's wonderful news for strugglers like us. That's wonderful news for real Christians who wonder and doubt sometimes and struggle sometimes and get weak sometimes and get to the end of their rope sometimes and feel like they're going to just tumble down sometimes but look up and see Jesus holding them all the time. I want you to notice what this passage does not talk about. This passage does not say anything about the size of our faith, does it? It doesn't say a single thing about the size of our faith because it points completely toward the object of our faith. This, this, passage, this passage simply refers to those who trust the Lord. And so whether you got a whole lot of faith or whether you got a little mustard seed of faith, whether you are standing boldly on the promises of God or whether you creeping out nervously on the promises of God, the foundation of Christ is the same. So this promise is for you. Even you, weak Christian, you say, but pastor, but preacher, you don't know what I thought. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the doubts that come into my mind. But let me ask you, can you find yourself in this passage? Are you those who trust in the Lord? But I'm just trusting in him a little bit. I'm not trusting him as much as I want to. But are you those who trust in the Lord? Yes, well, this passage is for you. This promise is for you. God can hold you unmovable in the midst of hard times. He is able to keep you from stumbling and falling. And that's his glory to keep, to keep sinners like us. The Lord gave his Old Testament saints a 2,500-foot mountain to stare at for this entire journey to reassure them that he would keep them. Because he understood and he knows that we get weak and need reassurances. We need big reassurances, we need constant reassurances, and we need physical, visual reassurances all along the way. And it's amazing because the Lord has offered us some visual reassurances today. Right here at this table, the Lord offers us reassurances just the same way the Old Testament saints looked to Mount Zion for their reassurance and stability. The Lord is saying to us today, look to this table. Look to this physical reassurance of my steadfast love in your life. If you want to know how well the Lord is going to hold you up, look to this table and see yourself seated with a resurrected Son of God. 
If you want to know how, how good the Lord is and how well he can keep you up, see yourself welcomed into God's kingdom, sitting around his table, rejoicing with a great cloud of witnesses, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, and all the other saints that have gone before, sitting around this table. Because, beloved, long after the mayhem of life has passed off the scene, you will be feasting at God's table. Long after economic downturns have come and gone, you will be feasting at God's table. Long after political parties have passed off the scene and global pandemics have come and gone, you will be feasting at God's table. Long after family drama and health struggles and all the things that depress us and make us anxious and make us nervous have come and gone, guess what? You will be still seated around God's table. So that brings us hope today and reassurance today, stability today. So the stability of our salvation, but also this text reminds us, beloved, of the surrounding of our salvation, the surrounding of our salvation. Look at verse number two. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. The Lord turns his people's gaze from Mount Zion itself to the other mountains and valleys which surrounded Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, and, and stretched several hundred feet above the city. These mountains and valleys would have really provided a kind of a natural, natural protective barrier for the city itself. Anyone looking to attack Jerusalem first had to find a way over Mount Zion to the west or over Mount Olivet to the east or down through the Kidron and Hinnon Valleys to the south. And the message that's being communicated here is very simple. Anyone that wants to get to you has got to go through the Lord to get to you. And it's terrible as the corruption is in this world, the Lord, listen, corruption has got to go through the Lord to get to you. Wickedness has got to go through the Lord to get to you. Distress has got to go through the Lord to get to you. We're so well guarded, beloved. We're so well guarded in verse 3. We see that even the scepter of the wicked has a limit placed upon it for our sakes. The Lord has placed a leash on that dog. There's an invisible barrier. It can only go so far and no more. And so God has placed this invisible barrier so that trouble and difficulty and distress cannot take your faith. Despite life's difficulties, the Lord's people would have been reminded by physical sign that they are the most well-guarded people in all the world. There's no safer place in the entire world than the soul of the Christian. You know, Fort Knox has often been considered one of the safest, safest places, if not the safest place on earth. It houses $137 billion, billion with a B, worth of gold. 5,000 tons of precious metals and some of the world's most precious documents and treasures behind a 22-ton door and armed guard missile tanks, Apache helicopters, infrared surveillance, video cameras, and concrete reinforced granite walls. 
America's best resources have been expended to ensure that these treasures are the most secure and well-guarded treasures in all the world. But I would contend to you today that the soul of the Christian is even more secure than Fort Knox. When we look at this communion table just as the pilgrims looked at the Judean mountainside, it reminds us that the best resources in all of heaven have been poured out to ensure our protection. The body and blood of the Son of God himself was offered up to purchase your salvation and my salvation. To purchase and protect. The Psalm 34-7 says that the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. We, we are secure by the infallible word of promise that created the universe, secure by the God, the Holy Spirit, who brought a, a form out of chaos at creation, secure by the omnipotent hand of the, of the risen Christ, who has all authority and in heaven and in earth in his hand. And we are, we are secure. You can't get more secure than that, than having God as your shield, God as your fortress, God as your protector. I mean, we just sang that earlier, a mighty fortress is our God. Is there any more mighty fortress than the God who spoke the universe into existence? Is there any more mighty fortress than the God who upholds the seas and upholds everything in, this, in the created order? Is there any more mighty fortress than God himself? 1 Peter 5, 7 draws on the reality of surrounding care when it says this, cast your cares on the Lord for he cares for you you. The Greek construction of that passage uses the word peri, which actually means to surround. And it can be literally translated this way, with the Lord there is attentive care surrounding you. With the Lord there is attentive care surrounding you. I wonder how you would feel if you could see the Lord Jesus Christ physically materialized before you and stretch his hands above you in high priestly prayer, I guarantee you that that would, that would give you a whole different kind of confidence in your day. I mean, you know, problems would come in your life. Problems would, 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 would you know, you would still get a flat tire every now and again. You would still catch a cold every now and again. I mean, you still get some bad news every now and again. But, but, but I guarantee you, if the, if the Lord Jesus Christ was walking around with his hands outstretched over your life in high priestly blessing, you would feel really good about your day because you would know that anything that's coming into my life has got to see the blessing of God on my life. It's got to come through the blessing of God on my life. And it's got to be held accountable to that blessing. And that would make you feel good. And you know, it's amazing because that is the reality. Even though the Lord Jesus Christ has not physically materialized with his hands outstretched over our life, the last image that the apostles saw of the resurrected Christ when he was ascending to glory was with his hands outstretched over their lives. They knew that no matter what happened to them, Christ was still interceding over them and that that blessing over their life remained. And they understood that anything that comes into my life has got to answer to the blessing. They knew that they were protected and cared for and kept by God. Even in the global pandemic, the soul of the Christian 
is actually the safest place on earth. Even amidst social unrest, the soul of the Christian is still the safest place on earth. Even in a war-torn situation and economic downturns, the soul of the Christian is still the safest place on earth. Well, beloved, this is, this is what we are to believe. But the question is now, how then shall we live? Right, no sermon is complete unless, unless you got some, some gospel instructions. Lest the, Lord, lest the Lord through his word gives you something to do. How then shall we live? That brings me to my third point. The boldness of salvation. And if I may, I really kind of want to slip a third S in there. I really want to call it the swagger of salvation. Come on, somebody. <laughs> the swagger of salvation. Look at what verse number three says. Three through five. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Now it takes some swagger to sing that song. Because remember, this psalm is being sung during a time of corruption in high places where, where the scepter of wickedness is on the land. There's corruption in high places, systemic evil over the land, and you've got to have some panache. You've got to have some nerve. You've got to have some swagger to walk down through the length of the land and say, uh, uh, in the midst of the oppressors and in the face of the oppressor, for the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. I mean, that's basically saying, yeah, 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 to the oppressor, yeah, you here for now, but you're not going to be here for long. Oh, man. I mean, I mean, it takes, it, takes some, it takes some swagger, it takes some confidence to sing this song. The Urban Dictionary defines swagger as a confident way of being in the world. It's, it's not arrogant. But it's absolutely assured, absolutely assured. And, and, and that's what the promises of God do for us, beloved. It gives us a confidence, it gives us a swagger in the midst of every situation. These folks were walking through the length of the land saying to corrupt leaders and to persecutors and to oppressors, your time is limited. The Lord is gonna lead you away and bring us to peace. And that's, that's, that's bold. That's bold. That's, that's bold because they're basically singing a protest song. They're singing a protest song through the length of the land that the Lord put in their mouth and said, I want you to sing this in the face of your oppressors. I want you to sing this protest song. They are looking at the injustice and the wickedness and the troubles and the difficulties of life and the depression of life and the distress of life, and they are still saying in the face of it all, we shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall overcome someday. I know down in my heart, I do believe that we shall overcome someday. And it takes some real assurance to say that in the face of your oppressor. You know, it's one thing to saying that kind of thing when, 
when times are good, but when the scepter of wickedness is over the land. When systemic injustice is over the land. When there's really not much confidence in, in, in the integrity of government and that situation is all over the land, it takes some real swagger to say we shall overcome. I remember watching 2002, the Winter Olympics. Stephen Bradbury of Australia won perhaps the most unexpected gold medal in Winter Olympics history. He trailed a pot. He was in a speed skating contest and he was, he was not favored to win. In fact, he was probably favored to come in dead last. And as he trailed behind Apollo Anton Ono and other favorites for nearly entire, the, the entire race, victory seemed all but impossible for Stephen Bradbury. He was a full half a length, or actually half a track behind the last competitor, and no one thought he was gonna win. But something strange happened, because with one turn remaining, all four leaders that were ahead of Stephen Bradbury somehow got tripped up in each other's skates and fell and slammed into the wall in a huge pile. And Stephen Bradbury, who was, who was half a track behind everyone, cruised to victory, praise the Lord. Not by, listen beloved, not by being the fastest, not by being the most skillful, but by being the last one standing. And listen, beloved, the love of God and the justice of God and the righteousness of God are like that. They will be the last one standing in the end. The hatred and injustice and oppression of our world have gotten out to a fast start. Global pandemics have gotten out to a fast start. And don't they seem overwhelming? Don't they seem so big and so huge? Don't they seem like, like, like they're the ones that are going to win? Sometimes in, in, in this life, it feels like we are losing. But, 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 oh, beloved, I'm so glad today that long after the darkness of injustice and, 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 and the wickedness of oppression and, and hatred and, and, and systemic injustice and pandemics have faded off the scene, long after they have fallen by the wayside, the love of God and the life of God and the justice of God and the the salvation of God will still be standing. That gives us a kind of confidence today, doesn't it? That gives us some swagger today, doesn't it? That gives us some assurance today, doesn't it? And beloved, the Lord calls us to pray like that, to pray like we're on, on the winning side, to live like we're on the winning side. To pray for the Lord to do big things and to live in a way that we know he can. Listen, sometimes we look at our world and, 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 and there's not much room for optimism. But listen, beloved, we are always prisoners of hope. Prisoners of hope. We are always prisoners of hope. No matter what life looks like, we are prisoners of hope. We cannot give up hope because, listen, beloved, Jesus is too alive for us to live like hope is dead. Jesus is too alive for us to walk around like hope is dead, like there is no hope. Poet William, William Cullen Bryant 
once wrote these words. Truth crushed to earth shall rise again. And 2,000 years ago, in a borrowed tomb on the other side of the world, the Lord revealed to us once and for all that truth crushed to earth shall always rise again. Amen. Amen. Father, we are grateful for the enduring hope of your gospel. A hope, Lord, that, and a love, Lord, that will not let us go. A love that provides for us a firm foundation in the midst of every storm of life. I pray, we pray, Lord, that you would, by your grace and by your spirit and by your promises, comfort your people, strengthen your people, give them, Lord, additional strength for the journey. Help them to know that there is no safer place in all the world than to be safe in the arms of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, and let all of God's people say, amen.